All right, what's going on, everyone? This is Rich here. Welcome to One Nation Radio. Of course, I'm here with my co-host James Boyd. James, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Um, yeah, just like we look at the show sheet, not much. So, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying us from uh, SportsKeeper.com is Simon Cotton. Simon, what's going on, man? How's everybody doing, man? I'm doing all right. Chilling, man. Just, uh, just, 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 you know, looking at you, superstar, you know, blowing up. <laughs> uh, well, I've been on Twitter for a few years. So it's about time it happened at least once. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one time uh, I got hot in the streets, and it was uh, when the Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, um, like when they found out that Bray Wyatt was out here with JoJo, right? And then, mm -hmm. you know, the rumors of Randy Orton and JoJo previously – and I was like, oh, so maybe that's why, they, you know, that that was about more than the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 33. And then put the wee bay face like, like, and that shit took the fuck off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, we got a lot to get into today. Um, no, we know. don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, let look. We we are covering WWE television, and they lie to us all the time. We ain't got to lie to the people, okay? We 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 are it's rubbing off on, on us, you know. Um, but yeah, man. Um, so first things first, uh, as I was alluding to, uh, Simon did have an excellent week on Twitter, and it was for one reason essentially. <laughs> uh, so apparently, Stephanie McMahon is doing these interviews. I believe she's in Europe at the moment. And she is uh, saying a whole bunch of stuff in these interviews that, you know, she knows she's going to get raped over the coals for because she says as much in the interviews. So one of the things that she said was that there's no reason that WWE can't be as big as Disney. What? <laughs> oh, my God. James, Simon, anything? That's never not going to be funny. Oh, okay, so um, to say there's no good reason, um, <laughs> that, that's absurd. Like, there are plenty of reasons why you can't, and I'm not even accounting for their creative decisions. Um, flat, flat out, regardless of how much we think we, we love pro professional wrestling, there is a there is a bit of a cap to what they can achieve compared to movies television, animation, uh, merchandising, uh, you know, like, it's just, it's just, it's so far beyond what WWE is capable as even, nah, it's just not like, you know, they actually have, you know, this thing called Disneyland, Disney World, and, and theme parks, like, there's not, no, it's just not a possible, not a possible thing, like, they have so many, if you were to say, like, who are the most uh, recognizable people as far as uh, celebrity or uh, as far or symbolic or whatever else or merchandising or trademarking for 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 WWE, you can think you think of on a on a um, on a what do you call it uh, household name level. There's probably there's maybe a dozen, maybe a dozen, and then you think of what that what it compares to what Disney owns between just Marvel alone. The Marvel cart, you know, the superhero movies, and then you throw in Mickey Mouse, Goofy, uh, Star Wars. Now they have dozens and dozens of things that are household names that are they're just like iconic in the zeitgeist. It's not possible. It's not. It's not even. It's something that's like 
maybe a thousand years from now, if there's, you know, if we're still around, if we haven't, you know, like under, if we're not in the water or whatever else, but yeah. as of now, or in, you know, in a first, in her lifetime, no. Simon, uh, so I just want to let, let you like tell him your response uh, to that tweet. I believe, uh, what, was it WWE officially you replied no. to? Or was that like pro wrestling sheet? No, it was pro wrestling sheet. And okay. it was a funny thing. Shout out to Ryan Satin, even though I never clicked on the link. <laughs> it was like, I just reacted to the headline because I, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to read that. He said, why? Stephanie McMahon says there's no reason why WWE can't become bigger than Disney. And I responded with the following. Disney gave us Infinity War. Y'all gave us Crown Jewel. <laughs> the fuck off. And, apparent, and it's at almost 500 likes and almost 100 retweets. So people, uh, people really agree with me on that one. And let yeah, me just... But now, yeah, and that was just from some comedy stuff. So let me break it down from like logistics. WWE's net worth, even with the stock decline over the past month, I think is brings the company value to about three billion, which is a lot of money. Disney, the Walt Disney Company's worth is one hundred and ten billion. So yeah. let's but let's not even let's take it to, to just one aspect of no, Disney. No, that, that's perfect. Let's do it in layman's terms, right? What you just described is the WWE is about is, is worth about what the what a a flagship North American major pro sports teams worth worth the Cowboys or the Yankees or the Lakers or the Dodgers something like that along those lines. Disney is worth the whole fucking NFL basically. I was going to break it down just a little bit further than that. <laughs> Between basically in the fall and spring of this year, not the fall and spring, the spring and summer of this year. Disney released Black Panther and the Avengers, which in total grossed over $3 billion. Disney took a couple of months to make the entire worth of WWE through movies alone. Yeah, That's not even taking into account all the other stuff that you talked about earlier, James. Yeah. And I don't think much else needs to be said, but I want to touch on the creative decisions a little bit. Yeah. The reason Disney has, like, normally when companies get big and they become monopolies, and such people get angry because they don't want to see companies just dominate the industry but people don't you don't really hear people get too bad about disney because generally they are in, they're still entertaining they're still giving a lot of people what they want to see the only property that they're really disappointing and that's and that's really an opinion according to a lot of people is like with star wars yeah and and that's, nerd, that's nerd talk because people love those new star wars movies exactly that's what i'm saying but that's that's the whole point like that's the most flack they've caught like since they've been like since they've their whole image changed years ago. Yeah. With WWE, there's issues just about every week from one show or the other. There's multiple superstars who are being misutilized, who are underutilized, and just like all these perfectly good stories that they can take. Like, let's put it this way: Disney can will take tell simple stories and they'll add something new that makes the story better, and they change it up a little bit. Let's take a simple story that still irritates me to this day. Triple H versus Seth Rollins. That's the standard. That's the standard babyface versus authority figure storyline. WWE shot the angle months in advance. They made Seth Rollins look like the weakest guy on earth for the entirety of that feud. And it took and it took Seth Rollins like two months to real six months to realize Triple H runs NXT. If I go to these takeover shows, I can beat him. He waited until like 2017 to even just to Say something to him. And can, they never can I, uh, can, I, can I? I have to interject something. I'm sorry, Simon. So you mentioned that he went NXT after six months. Do you know why he showed up NXT? 
Go ahead. Because he was in a match with Sami Zayn to determine whether or not he was going to be in a 2017 Royal Rumble. And he lost because he got distracted by Triple H's music hitting. He <laughs> <laughs> came out and ran up on the apron or anything because his music hit. And then and then Sammy gave him the corner kick and then pinned him. Yeah, this, this isn't really something that uh, would happen to too many like top flight baby faces, unless you know something's changed. Um, but let's get into some of these comments real quick. Um, so. <laughs> Joe Sabo was like, if they take uh, the women's side off Becky Lynch before WrestleMania, it would be one of the biggest mistakes in history. Uh, Joe Sabo also says, big as Disney, if someone running the company doesn't have a last name McMahon, Dan Coffin says, are they going to freeze Vince like Walt? Oh. <laughs> wow. Sergio Parra says, dream big, stuff." Howard, in all caps, says, WWE can't be as big as Legoland. Uh, <laughs> Sabbath says, will there be a WWE theme park? Call it McMahon Land. Um, we got a Hall of Fame yet. Yeah. Yeah, there's no Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> uh, Dan also said, Lucas sold the Star Wars alone to Disney for $4 billion. <laughs> yeah. Like, $4 billion, like anything below like $20, million, uh, 20 billion probably don't even phase Disney. Like, hey, we'll get it back in two days. <laughs> Yeah, another part about that is like, so they they bought up Lucas and everything and all the and all the Star Wars stuff and and also did they also get the did they get all of Lucas or did they only get Star Wars? I don't remember. Do you remember Simon? No, for all, for all I think they got was the Star Wars stuff. Okay, because I was okay. So I basically was, I basically wonder if they got they got Indiana Jones. Wait, 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 what were some other properties? Uh, Indiana Jones, for example, would be another property. I think, I think they might have got that too. Okay, so anyway. Um, the reason why I say it is because Star Wars is like the only big budget uh, blockbuster major grossing movie franchise that you know you can get where like they could cast they could cast a ham sandwich as protagonist or as a, as a, as part of the part of the main one of the main characters and that movie is still going to sell over 150 million dollars in the first week. Um, like it doesn't matter if it's a woman, it doesn't matter if it's a girl, it doesn't matter if they, I don't it doesn't matter if they're if they're as dark as, as the devil's heart, it don't matter if if they're lily white. They, they whoever is in that movie is going to sell regardless of what. Like is it is a foolproof um it's almost basically like it's guaranteed profit as far as that sort of thing. Now, WWE has ever done to where you say, "Oh yeah, that they can put out a project and it's going to get make them 150 million dollars on a gross." Ever they're gonna have to go to Saudi Arabia a couple times. <laughs> that's not over, so uh, that's a thing. But um, yeah, man. Um, uh, Dan says they have Indiana Jones too. All the okay. so uh, yeah, man. I think that's absolutely ridiculous for her to say that. I mean, that's in a way, it's like marketing, like for her to say ridiculous shit in the media because. I hate to say this. People are going to talk about it. Tell how ridiculous, right. and it's going to like be be like a news item essentially. Uh, and that's pretty much like what social media gets used for. And mm -hmm. then I was like listening to um, I want to say Melchior Alvarez when they're talking about uh, McGregor and Mayweather. Like it doesn't even matter like that McGregor got got knocked the fuck out and and, and whooped on essentially like a, like a white belt. Essentially, it doesn't matter because he was in this big event that everyone just was a part of. 
So that makes him bigger by association. And her saying that, putting her name, uh, WWE's name in there with Disney like that, like you see where their ambitions are, it's ridiculous. But that's like just creating that, that, and I've used this term, social currency, like creating that is uh, it's an interesting tactic by her to kind of use like some propaganda in a, in a sense. Like, like, yeah, we're, we're Disney. Like, we're, we're this. Like, no, you're professional wrestling. Like, they put, like, people have tried to uh, put them in the professional wrestling box for so long, and they've always tried to be out of it. This is almost right. a lot with everything they've ever done. Right. Well, my thing is, like, can if you want to be Disney so bad, like, can you, like, you know, leave wrestling put on? together, you know, if you're going to actually WWE films or whatever else and all that sort of stuff, like, can you actually, like, really go into it as opposed to dipping your toe into it and then, like, trying to, and, and you know, being scared to death actually really trying to do this? Like, how long has this movie, how long has the movie business been going around? How many times has, like, WWE's own, like, wrestling budget had to pay for all the stuff Vince is, you know, struck out with? Like, if you're going to do it, really do it. And if not, shut the fuck up. And, but, like, I do get, I do get why, you know, that's the ambition, that's the goal, and that's cool. To, you know, everybody has to have, you know, something to chase after. But they said something. But the Disney thing is just so far beyond the like, like it's so just far beyond the realm of like even um, of, com of common sense and like reasonability that I just can't. I just can't. A reason, reason, reason would be the word instead of reasonability. But um, that would be so far beyond it is like I can't. What what you're you, you're saying nothing. You're it's just nothing that you're saying right now. <laughs> um. So. Uh, uh, Dan Coffin says she's trying to pump up the stock, probably needs to sell shares to buy another house. Um, oh, Howard Schilling says Disney makes close to 18 mil million per park every single day. WWE is getting 110 million per year in their new SmackDown TV deal. Um, Sergio Parra also says Disney makes indie guys household names. WWE calls back guys that are past their prime. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's, just, let's just call it what it is with this whole with this whole ambition. Wrestling is a niche audience. At its peak during the Attitude Era, what ten million people were watching wrestling at the time? Uh, if you if you want to combine Nitro and Raw together, then yeah, yeah. yeah. So you eat, that's just combining them. Like separated, WWE's peak audience was about like five, six million or something like that. Yeah, about five, and fours. The last time they ever reached the six million was for Raw one thousand. And the last big episode was Raw 25, which got four million. Like the number, the numbers ain't going up with time. Well, uh, what I will say is, like, there's still the potential. There's still potential there with um, the eventual day they decide to put WrestleMania on free television. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but moving on, uh, we've got something else to talk about. Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon, um, is back. Good McMahon. in WWE and. Showing his face and getting booed uh, by the fans of Manchester, and uh, just looking at it, I had this terrible, terrible, terrible thought that Shane McMahon and everything with his comeback was leading towards Daniel Bryan at some point. Mm. And I'm just gonna be like, really, bro? You guys like like make of that like. That thought in you know what what do you see like his role uh, at Survivor Series being because I'm looking at Shane I'm tired of seeing him tired of seeing those punches 
I'm tired of seeing him in Survivor Series matches, representing SmackDown, when um, obviously we can – SmackDown has so many great wrestlers. You can lose, just pick a guy, and it'll be a better idea. You're not getting me to believe that Daniel Bryan thought in, in The Miz or thought Shane McMahon was their best option. Uh, <laughs> when you look at available talent on you know the SmackDown roster, this is just – it just feels like McMahonism. It always has and always will be. Well, I've heard people say something along the lines of uh, when it comes to McMahon's over the last um, 20 or so years that, like, they only know one story, and the story is um, this isn't a wrestling show. This is a wrestling show, uh, or this is a, a soap opera about a wrestling show, and – um, there's an evil force at play to overtop everything, and that's the McMahon's in some form or fashion, whether it's, it's Vince or his, or his uh, offspring or his wife. And um, they're the force of evil, and, the, and it's for the hero to overcome and topple the, and overcome and, or, and topple them, and then, then they they go away and then they respawn as something different in some different form, whether so it's either you know the ministry or it's the corporate ministry, or then it turns into uh. Whatever the hell that uh, Vince was doing with CM Punk, and then um, you know, and then the Authority, and then you know, now you, now you have you know, it, by proxy you have freaking um, Corbin there in place, and now you're gonna have another Evil Man pop up for SmackDown. So, I mean, I'm sure there were, I'm sure John Cena had to overcome Vince at some point too in his earlier in his career. I, just, I, I don't think I was watching 2006, early 2006. Yep, yeah, like right after WrestleMania, it was tangled in with that Triple H and shot the Triple H feud with Edge right after he lost him at WrestleMania 22. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. so I mean, so then you know, you do the shame thing, it just further is more further of okay, they only know how to tell one story, and this evil McMahon, uh, you know, takes over, tries to stop, tries to hold down the proletariat. and uh, you know, somebody rises up and overcomes them for for now until the next time for the next guy to come around and get the and get do it. I mean, um, so I, it would be fitting that that's what that's the only story. It seems that it's the only major story they really know how to do as far as uh, for the their top of the card. Um, but Shane just isn't as good at this as Stephanie or Hunter or Vince. Um, and you know that's part of the reason why SmackDown is a better show. Like obviously they have the advantage of the you know no overrun and no extra hour, but it was also like you have no evil McMahon in the way to fuck things up and to piss you off for no reason. And then like pretend to be a bad Booker and the bad and them being a bad Booker and they excuse it as oh well, he's evil. So that's a, he, it, of course he's a bad Booker because he's evil. Like <laughs> no, like when you bad when you book bad, you're just bad at booking. Like it's okay. It's fine. McMahon would do as a GM was interject or a commissioner was interject himself as into matches, and he's only done that twice a year. And so it's bother it bothers you, but it's not as big of a deal as with Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, oh, uh, handing basically emasculating these wrestlers and making them feel like nothing every other other day of the week except WrestleMania where they get take a L. Or the nonsense that Carbon was doing before when when Rome was still around, where. Uh, He's doing everything that he thinks Stephanie wants by saying that um, he is not going to let uh, Dolph Ziggler get a title shot against Roman Reigns because he needs to protect his uh, the the main or one special match at Super Showdown or 
Hell yeah. in a Cell, not Hell in a Super Showdown or Crown Jewel, whichever one that was. Yeah, Crown Jewel. Even though, like, you spent the previous weeks literally trying to get the sh all the shield, trying to keep them out of the arena, try to keep them fighting, and, and, you know, no one wants them as champions. You're saying that the week before. Like, even that suffers because, like, the booking is stupid and nonsensical, and then you pick stuff up and you drop it and you move on from there. And it's like, can we just get a just one? Not one, I'm sorry. Can we, focus, can we focus on trying to tell consistent stories that have a beginning, middle, and end, and then, or mm. beginning, middle, and transition into something else as opposed to, it's almost like they fly by the seat of their pants. Beginning, or, middle, or they, or they don't care. Like, so I got a couple comments. So I got Howard Schilling says, they can't even get the soap opera part right, though. Lucha Underground does a better job with the soap opera aspect on a tenth of the budget. Sergio Parra says, correct me if I'm wrong. But Shane was in all three Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series matches, and he was eliminated in all three. You are correct, sir. Wait, they've only done what 16, 17, and this year will be 18. So this year will be the third one. Yes. In 16, he was eliminated via concussion. In 2017, yeah. he was eliminated because Triple H betrayed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're never going to get a why, payoff. Why is, it that, why is it that every single time we talk about Survivor Series of Triple H, like on this show, we always have to talk about how this man shot an angle with three different people on that same night in the main event of that show? That man foreshadowing. <laughs> We've got I, one payoff. I feel like I have, got one payoff. I feel like I have talked about this like every, like almost at least every other week for like the last six weeks. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, it's a good bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, man, I'm not trying to see uh, – I, I just feel like SmackDown is um, – looking at the, at the matchups on paper, right, it feels like they're going to win the Universal title match, the women's title match, yep. and the Intercontinental match. Yep. So, in theory, SmackDown will have to beat them at everything else that is, isn't quote-unquote important. They'd have to win the men's match. They'd have to win the women's match. They'd have to win the tag match. There's one more, right? Well, there's always a factor. There's always a factor of okay, you have people looming in these, over a bunch of these matches. For example, Charlotte is looming over uh, the women's uh, champion versus champion match. But you know, given where we think they're going um, at WrestleMania 35, there is reason to believe that Charlotte could come out and not. And not only just screw, or not only just to come out and screw Becky, but there is potential for her to, you know, screw screw Ronda, and then it leads to Survivor or leads to World WrestleMania or whatever else, and starts that that uh, um and put it on the, like in the back of people's minds. Um, there's also Dean Ambrose who is looming over whatever match Seth Rollins is going to have because that's where we are now. Um, we have Randy Orton. He looms over whatever happens with Rey Mysterio or whoever else he decides to victimize come um, come Survivor Series on the SmackDown side. Somebody screwed. Like, right. Like some like I mean, there's a bunch of there's three people in particular that seem like they're clearly gonna come out here and screw somebody. I hope that's not the case. That makes for a terrible show when you have three fuck finishes. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Real quick about this Shane McMahon thing. What a, if that happen, ends up happening at like WrestleMania with him and Daniel Bryan? What a horrible way to round out a comeback year. Oh my God. Well, it's already terrible. He, so. he yeah. started with Shane and he ends with Shane. Uh, 
I, I don't know how you get and, one first. Like, and, and, and watch him call it and watch him call it long term storytelling. Watch. The back, somebody said it was a social suplex group. A year later, they're fighting. The battle to determine the fate of SmackDown Live. What's up? Said that somebody in the social, social suplex said it perfectly. Yeah, the battle to determine the fate of SmackDown Live. Oh my gosh, bro. Okay, they, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll be so sad. It, it'll just further prove that, like, hey, Brian, you should have left. Like. <laughs> You should have left. There, I guess you know. I don't want to tell a man how to live his life, how to get his money, but I know you ain't creatively fulfilled. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Okay. So I have some thoughts on this, and I think I discussed this with y'all on the um, when we were talking about this on the the social suplex thread. Okay. So I think what's more realistic is not that Shane is the you know this guy that's going to be in doing a bunch of fighting fights because obviously, you know, you hear him, you can hear his promos and tell that dude sh uh, shouldn't be wrestling to begin with. Right. But I think what we're most likely going to see is Shane is, you know, in the Vince Stephanie authority authority slot. And then he has a handpicked chosen, uh, chosen person and it turns into being the Miz and it's going to be the worst version of what everybody, of what, everybody thought they wanted with uh, Miz being champion. Um, and this they're going to be their okie doke to where, you know, it, it doesn't, it turns out to be unsuccessful and it, and, it, and Miz is not made the better for it. And then they're going to be like, well, we gave you what you wanted. You, you, you nerds kept screaming about you want a Miz champion. And then it turned into like, and then, they, and then they're going to pretend like they don't know the difference between Miz is champion on his own, being a heel and being awesome and being an asshole and Miz being a geek with a, with a belt that was given to him. All this, all this work the Miz done went into put, making himself and getting himself over. They about to turn back the clock to 2011. I would be really disappointed if they did that. And the Miz of 2016 and early parts of 17, like obviously I've said this before, General Mahal was wearing the Miz's world title the whole time. But if they turn him into just the chicken shit corporate champion, that would be disheartening and totally expected from how these people do their creative. And I and I feel like that same reaction, James. Like, you know, like yeah, this is just what y'all wanted, completely ignoring what we actually wanted. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, the crowd is screaming for this, but like we have our but we have plans. So like we we have our plans that involve nepotism and cronyism. So therefore let's let's compromise by turning into some shit that like that note that actually is in fact nothing that either one of them want. And Only then they think like, we sacrificed for you fans. We gave you what we gave you part of what we wanted. Compromise like, no man, that's not how it works. You guys are the fucking you guys people write this show, and then we are the people that watch the show, and then we we either like it or we don't. And then it's supposed to be back and forth where you acknowledge what we want and like, and then you you know you change it in accordance to what you try to come up with creatively, as opposed to you push it out, we shit on it, and then you say that we're ungrateful. I can hear the old dog typing away right now. Yeah, that's the same thing. With the perfect example is, and I and I said this on like he's gonna be road dog or somebody else come out here and be like yeah. and be on basically like and, and embarrass themselves and it, be, it becomes forever a line that sticks out forever in history was of the you know. Um, the last one was, you know, that's not the story you were told. It's like, well, um, sir, you kind of put Becky on on SmackDown to win a bunch of matches. 
Charlotte was gone. Charlotte came back. Charlotte won one match. Charlotte got the same title shot for, for one match as opposed to all the matches that Becky won to get to this point. This is basically John Cena versus Rey Mysterio on that one episode of Monday Night Raw, except they didn't drop it. Oh, yes. Yep, that was exactly what that was. Yep. <laughs> Ray wins the title, and he loses it at the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> Defended on, on short notice. Well, yeah. John Cena yeah. title shot right now. And it was to another former champion that already lost all his opportunities again, but you kept giving it to him. You're right. It's a longer form. It's a longer form version of that same story. <laughs> Except Howard, there was no returning CM Punk, obviously. Howard Schilling says, "Shut the hell up, James! Don't you speak that shit into existence." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I, and I think that's kind of a perfect segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Um, with and James, you told me about this before the show went. Uh, you know, uh, with Bruce Richard. Uh, saying essentially Vince McMahon really doesn't give a fuck about the fans. <laughs> Which, like, that doesn't come as a shock or anything, but just to hear Pritchard talk about it, it's like, well, I, and I think, you know, we, you can probably check the archives around the time the WWE Network came out. We, I think, advised on the fear of the network model because if it's so cheap and it's already paid for, there's no incentive for them to really work hard. As far as like creatively, yeah. Like oh. the the thing that bothers me is like I don't think these do. I don't think like there are these dozens of people that are backstage and creative that are writing stuff and working their ass off on these shows are literally just resting their laurels. They don't give a fuck. My problem is these people have an antagonistic instead of uh trying to have a partnership with their own fan base and trying to create a level of trust. They're antagonistic. And, and also, I believe that, um, like, there's just no goodwill. Um, right. I forgot what the point was going to be, so I'm just going to leave it off at that. But yeah, like, my main thing is like, they, there is no, there's no reason to trust that they're going to tell a, co a coherent story because they rarely ever do. What was and, the when they, and then when they do, is often in spite of, of you know what they've, what they were trying to do originally, and then they had to. Turn it into something that actually worked out. Whether it's what we have right now, whether it's CM Punk when he cut the pipe bomb because that was supposed to be a heel promo, um, or whether yeah, it's just it's it's constant. It's a bunch of misses like that, and then things work out, and it's like, oh wow, look how that worked out. Daniel Bryan, for example, another one at WrestleMania 30. That was supposed to happen. It just it oh, turned yeah. into that CM Punk left and left the slot open for Triple H to get his own ma his match in at WrestleMania. He was going to be watching Bryan versus Sheamus. Good yep. Lord. Good question though. What was the last good coherent storyline? Um, on purpose. Oh, uh, oh. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Seth and Dean. Seth and Dean, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that's one that that's one that comes to mind because it was so well done and um. Like I had nitpicks about it. Um, I would have liked them to have actually like gone to the point where they did the fist bump like after their match. Like they were still going to one and there was still some unease, but like they actually like completely made up that the on the go home show, but whatever. Like it still was a fine success. They had great matches and it's and you know, it saved Seth Rollins' baby baby uh face run because it was it was just like he was just a guy. 
Um, Boy, what a complete 180. His company got Daniel Bryan versus The Miz handed to them on a silver platter this year. And took oh. no advantage of it. And decided to, in the meantime, make Daniel Bryan fight Big Cass, reform Team Hell No. And then once the feud was going, to team their wives, bring their wives into it and make it a reality TV feud. That's that's yeah. the definition of we gave y'all what y'all wanted, right? That's not even it. And then they decided to finish it off by having Daniel Bryan beat that dude in like three minutes in Australia. What a roll up. Yeah. Not like an emphatic victory, not none of that. So. Yeah. In fact, he's his own, in fact, Miz gives him his finisher. And then he just like, all right, whatever. I'm like, he, he's the one getting squashed and then he wins with a roll up. <sighs> I'll never know. I will never know. Um, yeah, so so bad. If you now, want to talk about, okay, so. Nagamora. Uh, handed to him this year. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you want to talk about uh, creatively fulfilling, I mean, no, I can't. I mean, I don't know. How do y'all feel about the fact that? Do you okay? So because of what we know about um, Crown Jewel and how Daniel Bryan decided he didn't want to do the show, right? Oh yeah, that thing. How do you feel? Do you feel like we should include that AJ Joe match to the to the match the three previous pay per view matches between Joe and AJ uh, in their feud? Do you actually count that as that is a part of the whole full overall narrative and, and, and story arc, or do you feel okay. like that's some tacked on shit at the end? Okay, I will say that it was not some tacked on shit because okay, do you remember? How Jeff Hardy got into the Best in the World tournament? He oh yeah, because Joe, was Joe. Joe was too hurt because of his leg. That was a work. Right, I know it was a work. Yes, and, and that was I. I really think that you know, Daniel Bryan asked them not to book him in Saudi Arabia. So at the end of the day. Do you think he was on standby? So, so, do you think he was on standby similar to how Strum was on standby going into WrestleMania 34? No, I think this was designed. Like, I think that Samoa Joe, like they had the idea and they were trying to figure out if they were going to go to the show or not. So, uh -huh. yeah, there is an element of, of of him being on standby, right? But he, uh -huh. I feel like he was always the option at some point because okay. he was like, all right, if we're going. We have the idea. You will do it on TV. Then we'll slot Joe in at the last minute. Okay. Move. We don't change it, and then we bring Joe in after. You know, same deal. Okay. Daniel Bryan was losing either way. But for me, this was Daniel Bryan asking not to go to Saudi Arabia, and them not booking him to go to Saudi Arabia. Okay. For me, you know, I anybody else, how do you feel about that? I mean, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel one way or the other about it. I mean, I see, like, obviously it's like, well, they've wrestled four pay-per-views in a row. Like, of course it should be of course it should be considered part of it. And then another part is like, well, like, the story was over after after um Super Showdown. Like, he beat him he beat him with his move. Or, sorry, he, he hurt his leg in the match, and he beat him with his move, and that was the end of it. Like, AJ, you know, like, Joe won the match by disqualification. 
uh, Joe won the first, won the second match, really won the second match, but then like the ref missed it because he's you know because we have to have fuck finishes in every AJ Styles counterweight match, and then we had the decisive the you know the final match of the decisive one, and that that was the best match. Like I kind of felt like to me, I felt like that was the end of it, and then like this was tagged on. It, to me, this is almost like yeah, um, like we you know we were talking about how. How much I always hated 96, 90, or sorry, uh, 96, 97 Stone Cold Steve Austin because he would not leave Brett the fuck alone. Even when he got beat, he would not he would come back. Like he would not, like you sprang with Ray and he would still come back and fuck with Brett. And it made me the original, so I'm not finished with you. It was, yeah. similar, it was a similar situation where I imagine myself, I was younger. Um, if I was like, you know, 15 years younger and I'm watching this, or actually 20 years younger, I was probably I'm watching like 15, but I was 15 years younger or 20, 15 years younger, I'd be like, dude. He just beat this dude. He's done. Enough. Don't do it over. It's a wrap. Move on with your life. He beat like what? Trip, honestly, like at this point, he's beating asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that, like I just think it was a combination of they don't want to put the Miz in that spot because they don't want to do Miz versus AJ Styles <laughs> because they might do that later on, or they just weren't. They have no plan to do that, and they were like, all right. You know, it's real easy for them to get someone out of a match. Like, I don't think it's it's that complicated. Right. Right. Uh, and, like, honestly, you think of what's left. I mean, um, there's still Miz. There's still Ray in a face versus face feud. But I think that needs to be further down because you just did the AJ and Brian thing. And you also did um, you also did AJ and Nakamura for WrestleMania. I can see that for the Royal Rumble. You think that's a little normal? Might as well. I, I I thought that I thought that like, yeah. Okay, so this is what I see for this is what I see for um, AJ going into WrestleMania because I I seriously think he's gonna hold the belt for that long, right? Um, so like I didn't count it up. Like that's like five hundred and sixteen days something if he gets to WrestleMania. Um, yeah. But uh, for me, like my thought was okay. So over that time frame, who's he have to wrestle? Okay, so he still has Randy Orton. He still has Rey Mysterio, and he still has Miz. Um, and maybe, maybe he gets, there's still some legs in the Daniel Bryan thing. But like, I think that I think that can only be facilitated if somebody turns heel. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to go at, go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only way you can do it. Like, because obviously they only had one, they only had the one match, um, or whatever. But it needs to, somebody has to turn heel order to do it, right? It may hell. You know, depending on how it goes or whatever else, and given what it looks like with with Ray and how well he's doing right now, it might. It, it, you know, if they do, if they do in fact do Ray versus AJ, somebody might have. To, I mean, they might have to facilitate AJ turning heel. Yeah, you know, he might have to, like you know cheat his way out of a victory or whatever. Um, but I just I, I wonder what order is going to come in. Like, I would love to know like what their plans for him at WrestleMania is, and also. What they're or if they even had the plans for it in place, you know, like you know, he's the second guy, he's not the top guy, so they, you know, it's not in stone. Um, champion, you know, <laughs> but like, who are you guys like most like to see him wrestle at like you know, Royal Rumble in like a big, you know, a big deal match? My answer last year was Randy Orton, and right. I think that's probably still my answer this year. Because a that takes Randy Orton out of the Royal Rumble, so we don't have to worry about him being the champion uh, or getting uh, uh, having a WrestleMania match as the champion, uh, unless uh, he's defending it, which means he's probably losing it to somebody, which is like fine. Um, 
other than Orton, who the fuck? Like, Angie Styles, like, he's on that Bret Hart. I beat your little yes man. I beat your Samoan. I beat beat your Japanese strong style man. I beat your Canadians. And I beat your Indian guy. They about to bring. bring I mean, mean, I'm telling you. I mean, there's all there's always the idea that that Seth could win, you know, because obviously we know that the t- we obviously know that they're eventually in October, um, SmackDown is going to become like de facto their A show, right? Love or it should be at least. They might still do some dumb shit and try to between, try to treat Raw like it's the A show, but you know that still facilitates you know the Royal Rumble or whatever else. Um, I mean, I'm talking beyond the Royal Rumble, but like it still facilitates it. Like the Rumble winner could you know from on Raw could decide to challenge AJ. So I mean that still leaves the door for finally get the finally get the, the Seth Rollins AJ match that, we, that people have been waiting for for three fucking years. Yeah, um, yeah, it, you know these guys have been in the same company since 2016. We haven't sniffed that match. Yeah, like once and they barely touched. I think like ring once during a Survivor Series match, barely. Oh, yeah, like I'm I was about to ask it, like other than like the triple power bomb between the Shield triple power bombing AJ at the 2016 Rumble match, like I can't think of any other time they ever touched. Yeah. Because remember, 2016 uh Royal Rumble, AJ was I'm sorry, um Rollins wasn't, wasn't in it. Um the 17 Royal Rumble, AJ wasn't in it. Um and neither was Seth. Yeah. And 18, Seth wasn't in it. Or excuse me, AJ wasn't in it. Yeah, because he was champion. By his homeboy, and he still had a smile on his face. Yes. I was going to leave that as AJ was in a title match earlier that night, so and he was champion, so he didn't need to be in it. But, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting where they can go with AJ Styles because it's like, I don't know, man. It's not the most exciting title reign in the world, but – I don't know. Like, and like, with, like with the Shane injection, I feel like he's him. It's a matter of time before either Shane Man is the champion or he he has a proxy. Yeah, like, like straight up and down. You compare this to CM Punk's championship reign, which is gonna, which is gonna last about the same time. It's looking. It's like it was much more interesting than CM Punk. In some ways, had a lot less to work with because he had already wrestled half the people who were big stars by that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like there weren't like constant fuck finishes in all of his matches. There were like he got to wrestle Daniel Bryan on pay per view and actually well twice. Um, but three times, like, huh? There was a triple threat match with Kane three times. Kane. Yeah. Um. It, it's just. It's just. It's. How do I say this? I look at the. I look at the work in the ring and I'm like, okay, like AJ's a better wrestler than CM Punk. It's not even close. But absolutely. But then you see like the finishes and the booking of the matches, like, well, well, of course you this is how we feel about the of about his, his reign. And also, like, you think about it, like also, that reign was great promos the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then you also look at it as all right, well, like that's the CM Punk reign. That's the best reign we've seen in the last seven years. I'd say since uh when was John Cena's 380-day reign? Which I would, which I wouldn't even say comes close, but it was pretty good, all things considered. Two hundred eighty day. I thought yeah. it was two hundred eighty day. No, no, it might, it might have been three eighty. It was three eighty because yeah. they made a big deal about it in two thousand twelve when Punk passed it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, my my point is like I started back watching wrestling, 
um, in the summer of 2011 full time. And like, I got to see him punk run then. And then we're talking about another run since then or whatever. And that's a, that's, that's, that's eight years. So, or seven years. So it's like the best try to run in the last seven years on comparing is like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. And also, to be fair, like you think of um his hill his first title run AJ's like his first his first title run was the second best title run of this time. So it's like we're also not only are we judging against CM Punk, we're also judging against AJ's previous work. Yeah. In 2016, AJ Styles was the greatest was the greatest first year I've ever seen for a wrestler. Just from an overall package. Yep. Brock totally the hard out. He just got it from a booking standpoint. AJ Styles had like every even his promos towards the end just got better it wasn't even it wasn't even just a year it was his first what 15 months yeah it was from three like that yep. empty the gun against shane and yep. then, you know and then they were like yeah let's let's start like booking him terribly like that's when it, that's exactly when it started like when they started doing the u.s title run and they started doing weird wacky finishes with kevin with kevin owens and yep. remember we felt like okay so we were swapping out kevin owens for miz whatever and obviously you know Kevin Owens is a better talent than Miz, but we have booking getting in the way of this stuff and is and is messing things up. And so we had a lackluster. That was like the first few. That was like we thought that few was going to be an all time classic type of few. Yep. It probably be a disappointment. Then we then we transition into the into the Shane and and Kevin Owens thing, which sucked in Randy Orton at times and not and like and AJ at times and. You know, that was, that was a black hole of just <laughs> like SmackDown was literally upside down that whole that whole second half of the year because of the nonsense with with Shane and not and also gender. Um, so rumor that I've heard, uh, I don't even want to say where it is from because I think they're less than reputable. But I see a lot of people picking this up uh, as just a Twitter conversation and. If this were to happen, you know, uh, I just want to know what you guys would think of it because I feel like, you know, this would be a literal bomb set off in the wrestling community. With WrestleMania 35, obviously, they are low on options. I don't know if they want. Oh, yeah. It's the most talented roster they've ever. It's one of the most talented roster years they've ever had, but they're low on options, huh? That's what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. It happened last because when they don't have their option, they don't they're not even thinking about anything I, like I know. I just wanted to point out how stupid this is. This all is like, oh yeah, we have more we have more talent wrestlers than we've ever had before. And like we're we're just in like because so we're just not we're just gonna book bad and then like make people look bad. Like, yeah, just exactly. So they've got yeah. I heard this idea of the rock coming back. For WrestleMania five, you know where I'm going with this, Simon. Everybody knows. Unfortunately, it's that it's this this room. This match has been rumored for like the past five years. It ain't gonna happen. Yeah. It's been rumored since like WrestleMania, since like getting into WrestleMania thirty. It, yeah. This is yeah. Go so, ahead, finish it. The Rock will come back, and he will defeat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Universal Championship to have a rematch. In Saudi Arabia, for said belt, where he will give it back to Brock Lesnar. Y'all, do they not realize the Rock is launching a TV show next next year, starting in January? He ain't got time for none of that. 
Man, Rock always got TV shows. And Baldur's still on HBO, still going on. He got he got work for days, work for years. Yeah, he, he got his, he got his next three years scheduled right now. Yep. Yeah, man. I I, I don't see the appeal. Um, just for oh, how I, I, see, I see the appeal. <laughs> I see the appeal. Two. Um, it was it was great, but these aren't those guys no more. And I don't know why the Rock wants to come get dumped on his head at this point. When he makes all that money doing movies, The Rock has wrestled. Uh, I don't know what? If he loves wrestling that much. Like The Rock loves wrestling, right? But I don't know. He he wrestled four matches from 2011 to 2013, and in two of them he got hurt. And what the first time wasn't too bad. He tore his uh quad, not tore his quad. Uh, his hot. What's the other leg in the muscle that's not too serious? Hamstring. Hamstring. Like he tore his hamstring. Yeah, and the next year, and the next year, WrestleMania 29, dude had a freaking hernia or something serious oh, like that. I think some, yeah, some ridiculous. So every other time he wrestles, he gets wasted and all that. Like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, man, the Brock Lesnar Rock match. I don't know, man. That's that's Vince McMahon. That's that's some fantasy of his that he needs to just like you know. Not not put on the rest of us. Uh, I mean, you saw what happened when when he when he when he had a chance to do Rock Lesnar Roman Reigns again. He held off he held off on that match for two years. Bro, it's not even that he held on to it. Think how many times it happened this year. It happened at least three times in in, in certain forms. It was gonna happen four. <laughs> he was only bringing back. Look, Brock Lesnar was an attraction for Roman Reigns like this year. Essentially, like it would have been four out of his five matches would have involved Roman Reigns, and then and then if you include like for example, holy um, shit, the SummerSlam 2017 main event, or you include like the Fastlane 2017 main event as well, sixteen, uh, sixteen. Then it's like, yeah, all this man has done since WrestleMania 31 is wrestled this dude. In different forms of fashion, and all and all that man keeps doing is beating him over and over and over. Like the SummerSlam 2017 match, the main event, he pinned Roman. There was some old Joe there. There was Strowman there. It pinned him. That convinced everybody that oh, see, they beat Roman. They're not gonna have him wrestle at 34. Meanwhile, Ah. I'm just in here like, you clowns, Uh you clowns, all of you. So let's take a look at a couple of these comments. Uh, Howard Schilling says, Chad Matthews could write an entire book about all the feuds WWE overbooked slash left on the table in the last two years. Yep. Uh, I, and I don't think Chad would do that because, like, Chad would just hate himself. And Chad's like, he already Ch- hates wrestling has beat Chad up enough. I feel <laughs> like like he wouldn't subject himself to, to do that. Could he do I it? hate y'all, WWE. Like, uh, y'all broke. So uh, Sergio says WWE can't book babyfaces. They all look weak because they're booked to get beat until the end of the feud match where they're able to overcome the odds. Exactly. Uh-huh. You are- the only case that isn't true is when you're a champion. And even sometimes then you get beat via DQ or something crazy. Dan Coffin says The Rock is light years beyond WWE at this point. Uh, Howard Schilling says the Universal title may as well be renamed the mainstream media title because it's all that's all it's good for now. Bro, 
And I don't really know what type of mainstream media even cares about Brock Lesnar anymore, bro. If this was 2012, when he was hot off doing, like, millions of buys in the UFC and all that, this is six years later. He hasn't even been on ESPN since 2015 when he announced that he was going to resign with the company. Better, better, better. No, better point about that. You talked about, like, he hasn't had that kind of, um, he hasn't been a pay-per-view seller like that in, since 2012. Hey, Rich, here, here in the world, what happened in his first fucking match back on pay-per-view in WWE after after, after becoming a, a gi- one of the greatest draws in UFC history? Can you remind people what they did? So... In this match, in this program, they have him the night after WrestleMania 28 uh, walk out and attack John Cena, and it's a huge moment. Yes. Everything's nuts. Then the next they do a shoot angle, essentially. He busts Cena in the head in the lead up, and it's like they do these pull-apart brawls. It's fucking awesome. They get to the pay-per-view. He wears John Cena's ass out again in the first 30 seconds. He busted his head open in the first 30 seconds. Yes. And then he proceeds to fuck this man up and do all types of crazy Lesnarian shit that including, you know, including but not limited to trying to jump off of the bottom still step that is in the ring and jump that's halfway at the halfway point and trying to jump use that to propel himself to jump over the top rope or yeah. to hit uh, Cena, but he ended up getting caught, and he ended up flipping over and almost breaking his neck, except for the part where he has no neck, only traps. So he survived. So <laughs> he does all this to this man, and he's fucking killing John Cena. So what do they do? They have John Cena reach for the fucking chain, hit this man, and I'm on the steps, and beat him his first <laughs> night back in the company. ever <laughs> since. <laughs> 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 The perfect wrestler for this time, a legitimate tough guy, badass, a guy that has pedigree as a as a great worker when he wants to be um, from previous year from pr- times gone by. Um, they protected his speaking ability, and he was cutting great promos of UFC style that made him diff- that differentiate him from the rest of the of the generic homogenous product that you had. Uh, a physique that, that that is basically Caucasian Incredible Hulk. It, like, how do you fuck this? How do you fuck this up? John Cena's the man. That's how you fuck it up. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's less about Cena on this, and then we got to look at what Lesnar has has degenerated into. Like, like but, you know, but the we, thing is, they did have to build him up after doing that loss. Like, cause that's why they ended up giving him the streak. Exactly, and, and that was less. That was that one decision turned into all all. That one decision can be traced back to that one bad decision. Where oh my god, he's not he's not the, the gigantic draw that we thought he'd be or or whatever. So let's put him in the ring with with Hunter. Okay, they had a bad disappointing match in the main event. Okay, now we're gonna go through and it's like okay, they had a better match with, with Triple H. Um, has a classic with CM Punk at WrestleMania. I'm sorry, at SummerSlam 2013. Okay, so now it's time to get to WrestleMania. What are we gonna do? Oh, we'll have him break the streak. Like even though he's like 30, he's in his mid to late 30s at that point in time. It's already been a made guy. Already is a first ballot WWE Hall of Fame. Whenever he decides he wants to go into it, let's let's give it to him. Not like not not a you know not a young guy because our young guy isn't ready yet. Yeah. So we're going to hold off on it, even though we know Trish Undertaker is going to continue to wrestle in every single WrestleMania. Uh, ah, even five years from now, 
fucking idiots. So, like, they, you know, they, they made all these bad decisions, and that, and he leads to this, where it's like, okay, then you go to, he squashes John Cena at, at SummerSlam 2014, and I match it where if Daniel Bryan had not been injured, it would have been Daniel Bryan that they would have squashed, and they would have had massive heat for that. Uh, for the crowd, they would have ruined it then. But because people were so sick and tired of John Cena as the top guy, it got over. And then, so the next week or the next month, they had to undercut it by having Cena come out there after getting his ass by a legit guy, come back and whoop his ass, and it gets saved uh, by uh, um, uh, uh, the, the money in the bank. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, several rounds of the money in the bank. Then we get to Royal Rumble. They have a classic three-way where Seth does all the work and dang and. And Brock is over there selling broken ribs um, on the announce table. Then we get to WrestleMania, and we, you know, after having all this planning, we shotgun this fucking guy, and he wasn't ready yet. He has potential to get there, but he's not ready yet. And people know that he's not ready yet. People have rejected him. So we're still going to push him down his throat. So we're going to make him, we're not going to let him vanquish the beast, the unbeatable, unconquerable for a full year Brock Lesnar. We're going to have him come out there. And get cashed in on, and then we're gonna try and kick it down the can and did it to WrestleMania 34 after making more and more mistakes with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns along the way. And then when it's time for the moment of the truth, what are we gonna do? He's gonna bust his fucking head, pick him up after it for the fifth, fifth or sixth or seventh or tenth F5, and then pin him on the biggest show of the year. <laughs> I will never, for the life of me, understand WrestleMania 34. Where is that show that we did? We we was all talking about WrestleMania 34. It's in the group. It's in the group, like as a video. Like it was never a podcast. Maybe I'll like try to yank the audio. It to be a throwback, just like five minutes of it. <laughs> Especially what James said. They just bust this boy's head open to the white meat at the center. <laughs> WrestleMania. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kidding. like I, I was so frustrated with the with, like that whole entire show, like. <sighs> From a rewatchability standpoint, I imagine that show is easier to watch because most people don't, you know, they just get on the network and they just skip through through the matches or whatever else. But to sit there in real time and to sit through the last two, two and a half hours of that show of bad, of mediocre, subpar matches compared to uh, the expectation um, with, you know, Elias doing that fuck shit and then getting whooped for it, even though they're trying to make him a star by giving him the segment, which undercuts everything because he's a geek that, that got his ass whooped by no, another geek that got squashed. Like, it, it was just a disaster. And, it's like, it, and then it turns out, like, you know, that they, you know, they shot on that match. That match never had a chance to get out the gates, but the match wasn't going to be good anyway because they kept, they, they were spamming, they were spamming finishers. It was a terrible layout and everybody yep. knew what was coming. Yep. And then, like, once they were like, all right, like, they're they're going to go crazy when he kicks out of the F5. And then nothing happened when he kicked out. I, yeah. I would challenge you guys to rewatch that match. No one can know now what happened. And think about the psychology of people in, in – um, think about the psychology of, the, of not doing the same thing over and over and over again because it – it's what diminishing returns, right? We always talk about like, don't do a million dives because you're going to desensitize the crowd and there's going to be diminishing returns on when, on when you do it, right? So their idea was we're going to have them kick, they're going in, was we're going to do a million false or, or kickouts of, of the same moves over and over and over as if they, those only moves these guys know. Like all they know is how they people with their finish, right? Let's say People weren't hip to the game of they protected. Like people know that, like their idea is, Brock's getting all these dudes out of here in the, in the last last twelve months with 
um, with the same move, one one f five, right? Let's say we didn't know that. That move was it was protected probably, 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 because because right? notice it from every match ending it ending that way. Right. Well, let's do this. Let's let's say they protected the f five since he came back in two thousand twelve, right? No one ever kicked out for, for the last five years or uh, seven years, what five right. years, whatever. That's what they would have had to do. Right. But yeah, right. But let's let's say they did. Okay, he kicks out a one. Wow, that's a big deal. He might win this match. Then he kicks out a two. Okay. Then he kicks out three. Then four to five. You you have, even if you did it properly and did the proper work to protect this move, that's less over because you he keeps kicking out of a move that nobody get that, that you you have basically spammed to death people that just saw it kicked out. Like the wonderment is gone of how incredible this move is when he keeps kicking out of it. And then they did and the, the same thing at uh, not evolution, um, at Crown Jewel. And it's like you didn't just learn this lesson on the biggest show of your year. Oh, ah, ah, ah. And, and Crown Jewel is it's funny because before it's like the complete opposite with Roman Reigns because at WrestleMania 31, Lesnar gave Roman like four F5s, and then he just got the the what's Seth Rollins move, the curb start. Yeah. Then he got pinned. And then at WrestleMania 34, he survived six. Strowman already got taken out at no mercy by one. And then they ramped it up like 2017 was just so much better for Strowman. And he got beaten by six after giving a boot to the face, a single boot to the face. Howard Schilling says the impromptu video after WrestleMania 34 was better than the actual show. <laughs> Talking about this shit that we did. Oh That's funny. I'm I'm glad somebody found in, in the entertainment out of our misery because that show was just really I do you remember how mad Josh was at my birthday night? Yes, it was. Do you remember how mad Josh was at the when the was final red? <laughs> do you remember, the, remember Josh? You, you remember, okay. Do you remember how mad Josh was? He got up and walked off and like I don't know if he threw like a fit. I don't know what exactly he did, but I remember he was like a some type of motion or gesture of anger when the fight the, the end of the Nakamura AJ match was the end of it. And it was like that was the pinfall. And he was like, wait, that's it? Yep. He was so mad. And yeah. it's like these guys are so talented, and you can go, you can go out and listen all the stuff they've done in the past. You can, even in WWE, even just you know in 2016, they were so they did so much great stuff. And then in the 17, people still had their moments, but this year was just like so. Like they have really like figured out a way to put a ceiling on what you can do as far as far as how how the level of match you can have in WWE this year. It feels like they have created yeah. you no know, for no reason what for no good reason whatsoever. They've created a ceiling that you it's really hard to break through. Like there are three matches to me that stand out as like oh yeah these three matches are, I, I, you could consider to be um, wrestled at the level of a great standout match that is rewatchable and stand the test of time. Um, you have you know. Uh, and I only, you know, you have uh, the tag match at uh, Hell in a Cell between uh, McZiggler and the Shield guys, and then you got um, what's it called? Um, you got AJ. I'm sorry, AJ. You have Becky versus Charlotte. Those two that come to mind, like you have, you like a lot of people have spoke the gospel to me about um, Miz and um, and Rollins from earlier in the year, like after WrestleMania. I can't remember what they can stream rules, something like Backlash. that. Backlash. People have spoke the gospel of that to me. Those are the three that come to mind. Yeah, this year has been it's been real dry, and we're gonna like explore that more 
in the um, One Nation Radio Awards, which, you know, I've been diligently updating the categories throughout the year. Um, it's going to be an interesting year because we've decided to, like, let NXT into the game a little bit more than we have just to, just to be able to reward some excellence somewhere because it has been – this has not been the year. And I thought last year was, was bad. This year is arguably worse. Vince McMahon reviewed 2016 with a fine tooth comb. Well, never like, do that uh, shit. We, we, we ain't never doing it. Yeah, like, <laughs> 2017, he was Rich, like. <laughs> yeah, Rich was on Chad's show earlier this year, or maybe last year, and was talking about how um, Tanasi's Colts uh, book about um, eight years we were in power, um, about this little story about how there was a uh, a black – um, congressman from South Carolina during uh, um, Reconstruction, um, the 15, you know, the 15, 18 years we had in Reconstruction after slavery, about you know trying to you know give it, trying to give black citizens their full rights, and now like the South just was not having, it and they decided to go with Jim Crow instead, and you know via you know uh, threat of of terrorism. So um, he talked about how uh, W about Dubois like. Uh, was was going over it saying how like you know this congressman said like you know we built infrastructure a governmental infrastructure that worked why would you take this from us when we're you know we're just starting out and we're doing so well and noted that the Bois um his his critique was that the only thing worse than um than black government is a good is an efficient and good black government and it was talking about like this is the backlash and this also you compare you compare that to what we're going with right now with um Trump in office and white supremacy in general and how it's, how it's flared up compared to um, before Obama's presidency is like all this is, re is reactionary to the fact that like, you know, if they do good doing it their way, then they have to then they have to come to the conclusion of how badly they've been fucking up for so long. And you look at 2016 and how many great matches we had on every pay-per-view. We had at least one or two bangers on every single pay-per-view in 2016. The booking was sometimes on point, sometimes it wasn't. I'm not saying the booking was so great in 2016. I'm saying, like, they let people go out there and perform and show the best of what they can do in the ring um, on, on, on most nights. And that you got it 2017, and then, like, they pretty much said, unless it's some tag team wrestling, we're not letting it happen. I would like and to say that. This year, I Piece, uh, James. Uh, so, like, I'll read it. To, I'll read it now, just so everyone knows. I'm talking about more in more detail. So, the rises of CM Punk and Dale Bryan were like slavery, or excuse me, were like Reconstruction after a civil war and slavery. For most of the 2000s, WWE was a big muscle factory with the John Laurinaitis era, and every so often, someone would sneak through, like an Edge or Guerrero or Mysterio. But it was Orton, Cena, Batista, Triple H, Undertaker, JBL, Lesnar, and guys like Chris Masters and 50 carbon copies of him that populated WWE at one point. Huge guys in a style that worked for many for the time because many fans didn't really know it, it any or excuse me, didn't really know uh, any better that WWE was really built around, like slavery. Um, I bet many folks didn't really think there was all that much wrong with it while the time it was going on. But when it came time to change in 2010, it was like America trying reconstruction after the war of the decade led them to a mass exodus of stars. Only then and now can we see the difference, or excuse me, only now can we see the difference between now and then. So WWE slash Vince McMahon begins to slowly 
give rights or freedom to the new era of indie guys, led primarily by CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, who reached bigger stardom than the rest of their indie counterparts, who we were confident that their day would come too. Uh, and in quotations, I had generational prosperity for the next era of African-Americans that didn't ever really end up happening. Punk and Bryan opened up the doors for Rollins, Zane, Owens, Neville, Ambrose, Styles, Aura, <coughs> Cesaro, Hero, and many more untraditional stars who WWE struggled to establish without putting uh, their traditional choices over them. This is why we say this is the most talented roster, roster ever, but they have no idea what to do with it. The second Vincent Man could free himself from that era he quote-unquote couldn't control, meaning the craziest crowd chants and the uprisings from fans fearful Punk and Brian would be ruined, he leaned on the past with his choice for the future. Now we're in a period of WWE taking things back like the end of Reconstruction. Though they can't get rid of all the indie guys and different type of stars like America couldn't enslave black people anymore, they sure could lower their stock. Um, just like America created the system of Jim Crow to essentially treat black folks like second-class citizens, WWE has done the same thing in regards to giving in to the landscape of new and talented wrestlers on top and the feeling around being a fan we thought we were getting. WWE is now the first-class citizen. Fans that were so enthralled with the 2012-14 through 14 peak of Brian and Punk are second-class, and WWE keeps the men that followed Brian and uh, excuse me, Brian and Punk's footsteps around as a separate but equal force, quote-unquote, like NXT or 205 Live, or giving out chances to a select few few guys, or as some of my fellow African-Americans are called, the good ones, like AJ Styles. But I just added that in now. Um, but Vince is completely turning away from organic stories, situations, and superstars that are being gifted to him by the audience in favor of preordained pushes and hand-chosen stars that fit in line with what Vince and WWE traditionally favors. They are so determined to regain control of the old times, they will suppress any unnatural uprising and chastise it with terms like it has no storytelling or psychology like civil rights leaders were painted as un-American or unpatriotic. Once in a while, a unicorn like Braun Strowman will appear, but even then he will be used up until he eventually becomes a chosen one long after the people want it. Was this not prophecy? Like, <laughs> Meanwhile, the once secret scene of the Indies has had the top torn up off of it and are thriving in ways never thought possible with more eyes on it than ever, creating what would be um, the equal to innovative art, music, and culture, and their matches, and the way they're in touch with fans, and what will actually influence the next generation, like black musical artists in the 50s that would influence the British rock scene and American rock and roll music of the 60s and 70s. Now it forever will be a fight between the two as both ends of the uh, spectrum draw lines to determine the future. WWE has accidentally made the folks who spend money on them more important, or the most money, more important than ever. Now, you can throw that last part out the window once they got that new TV deal, but I wrote that literally a year ago, James. Bro, you yeah. just read a dissertation. Mm. Good Lord. Yeah. So that's where we are now. Um, yeah, or it's, it's more, even more evident than um, now than then. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, but I'm sure your comments were flooded with, 
What is this? What is this racist shit? I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't read that in a podcast. That was an actual column. So I, I read that no, on that. Chad's show, and I didn't tell him. I only told I only told him the, the 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 name of it. I was like, you know, I've got something about Reconstruction and WWE, and, and he was like, run it. And then, <laughs> like, that's why I was like, all right, I'll fuck with Chad. He, he didn't care. Like, and he he rolled with it. So, um, but yeah, that was it. Like, you know. It's all some separate but equal shit. Like, like AJ Styles, yeah, he, yeah, he's had a year title reign, but he's been on the B show, yeah, and he's never main eventing a damn thing. He's not even being pushed like the, like when when these big shows come, you get the AJ Styles match, and it's like on fifth or something like that, or I don't know, man. There's just no type of feeling behind behind it, and this is why I almost don't care if Daniel Bryan like lost to AJ Styles because they would do the same fucking thing to him. And what yep. would, and what made Daniel Bryan special in, in the way that he, he was able to connect? There was only one title. He was the man. AJ Styles is not the man. Right. He is, he, is the, he is the world heavyweight champion. He is the de facto intercontinental champion of what was you know 15 years of what would have been like 20 years ago. Yeah, he's the number two guy who is. Uh, look, let's put it this way: he's the number. He is the number two guy in in the pecking order, and he's also the guy that is the quote unquote uh worker, uh, the worker holding the worker belt. Yeah, they took the WWE Championship, a title with fifty years of history, all the stuff they like to brag about, and put in these little video packages that we see over and over again, and they've turned that title into what was the what was known. At, from the World Heavyweight Championship during 2010 to 2013 right. as the Super Intercontinental title. Yep. Yeah. I don't even know about the part. It's just Intercontinental title. <laughs> Good Lord. It's, yeah. it, it's Also, I just want to formally apologize for all of my comments that were dissed in 2016. Uh, I didn't know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just think about it. Every month they were coming up with fire. Our match of the year list, like and all that. If you go back to One Nation Radio Awards, like from 2016, there was so much happiness. There was optimism. There was appreciation. There was like all that, and there were an abundance of choices. And we had to have an elimination show. There were so many. We didn't yep. do that last year. I don't think. Like, I can't remember the last time I looked or whatever, right? But um. I think it's gotten higher ever since the since the uh, since SummerSlam because at one point before SummerSlam it was like AJ Styles 2016 or no it was before we got SummerSlam it was like uh, it was Sami Zayn who was like second in most four star matches on the main roster in 2016. He had more four star matches than the main roster had on paper or on um, on pay per view matches like the, up until from the first eight months of the year. Like that's where we were, or eight months and two weeks or whatever of the year. Like that's where we were with this year. Like Hell in a Cell was a really good was a really good ass pay per view, except they had a crazy, dumb, terrible fucking um, uh, main event. But like you had that, you had SummerSlam was a was a pretty good show, uh, or not a pretty good show. It was a good show. Um, it had a wacky, uh, it had a wacky main event, of course, but. Then you, get, then you get evolution. Then you get. Then they start throwing all these sh these extra shows with you, like the Saudi Arabia show and the Australia show. And like you look and like, okay, so yeah, they have you know a couple more matches now, but like it's kind of boosted by the fact that they were inflated by more pay per views. But mm -hmm. it's just like it's still not even two. It still doesn't even feel like as good as two thousand seventeen because like 
they're putting on more. I feel like they're putting on more, more consistently solid shows right now. They're in a groove of putting consistently solid shows together, but they keep screwing up in these main events, and it's like leaving. And it feels like I'm watching WCW during the Hogan era when Hogan, Hollywood Hogan was just like fucking off on these having these terrible heavy matches or stupid heavy matches or nonsensical things with run-ins and fuck finishes or whatever else. After you have Eddie and Ray and um and Malenko mm. and Booker T and and whoever else and and Benoit going nuts and and having great matches or whatever else with other guys or Luger or Sting or or Flair like it, but no matter what happens you still got this this guy on top and it's going to be a match that like a boring match that's stale that you've seen before and that's I mean it's obviously not nearly as bad as the Hogan stuff because Hogan's out here having negative star matches and shit but like you just feel just as like bummed out that like oh so like Brock is champion again and he's going to just throw people around and then is going or you're going to have some some weird ridiculous finish that comes out of left field and leaves you completely dissatisfied every single time you see him on TV on on, on pay per view. The guys that you want to get behind, they're never going to have the chance to topple Brock. Like, right, because either a he's going to beat them easily or they're going to get or, or they're going to get embarrassed and made to like they're not on the level to be in that point by the time he even they even get to that level. Like people, you know, we talked about, um, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not. I think it was on the podcast last when we had Chad and I asked Chad, like, you know, not it, you know, let's say Roman does never come back. Who is going to be the long-term person? And me and you talked, uh, me and you laughed when he said Seth, because we knew his answer was with Seth, but you look at what Seth, they've done with Seth since he won or since he blew out his knee or it, not even that. Since he won that title at, at WrestleMania 31 and how they portrayed him, he is not the guy kayfabe-wise make you even think that. Like, he can perform like that, sure. But he has been portrayed as a number two guy, number three guy for so long that, like, I don't know if the crowd can – I mean, the crowd loves him, but I don't know if the crowd will buy him or or the bloom is – or I think it's just too far to do it the way it's unreasonable to expect it to work like that. And I mean, he's already kind of chosen. Like they've never, like, yeah, they get they let him be the heel champion in 2015, but they never chose Seth Rollins. Right. Like, like remember, he lost like nine something like he he lost like 19 weeks in a row on TV as champion that during that title run. People Damn. chose Dean Ambrose. Oh, good. Like, people saying? chose Dean Ambrose when he was hot. They yeah. We gave him Seth Rollins. And what hey, and what were we talking and what were we talking about earlier today uh, in the thread about like when when not when the bloom was off the rose for me as far as like the Lesnar stuff it was when he got his ass whipped in that no DQ or, or hardcore match at WrestleMania 32 where Lesnar ain't do shit except whoop the hell out of him. Yeah, and I, I and I feel like if it was gonna be Rollins, it would have been this year, like yep. going to SummerSlam, and they didn't choose him after that, that as hot as he was throughout the whole first half of the year. If you, they don't choose you after that, they're never going with you. Yep. They, but they, and they have no choice now. Because uh, yeah, they have choices. Done. They, got they, choices. they got choices. Like, the thing is, they like to, they, they pretended that they pretended that Roman's flaws were not actually flaws until he actually fixed these things because he had room for growth. But the time, but the thing was, they had screwed him up so badly that by the time some of his flaws actually became things that weren't flaws anymore, it was too late. It was too far gone. Like you compare, and I've I've said this for years. I've said this probably since like his first, probably since like I don't know, like since SummerSlam 2015 with, with Roman. That like Roman is so far beyond in the ring. What what um what athletically and coordination wise, what John Cena was. That's like. 
I can see why they chose him. He has the look, he has the height, he has a, he has a physique for it, and he, and he can wrestle his ass off and, and, and do all that, and he's tough as hell. But he's not nearly the promo that Cena will be, and I don't know if he'll ever will be because Cena's one of the all-time great talkers. So, But now we're at a point to where if he needs to cut a money promo, now, now in 2018, 2017, 2018, if he needs to go out there and cut a money promo, Roman can do it. You can't. You can't just. Be, you you don't have to be like. Oh, I don't know if Roman can pull off. No, he can't pull off. We've seen him do it. The problem is, we had two years of the crowd rejecting this dude, and they ain't come, ever coming back around him. So the only thing you're gonna do to get this shit turned around is turn him heel, and you're refusing to do it. So this is what we're stuck with. We are stuck with basically like if we if Cena had never existed, if Randy Orton had been the guy for the past decade. Ooh, ooh. Don't, now. Don't I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Now, look, whatever, both talented guys. I'm just saying, like, there's a ceiling on what you can do once you screw someone, once the genie's out of the bottle and you screwed it up. Now, if you move forward and look at what we have now with, with Seth, it's like you've you've like you had all the opportunities in the world. Like one of the key moments people talk about with WCW screwing up their um screwing up and being bad bookers was um Bob Bagwell or Scott or sorry, Rick Steiner accidentally broke. Buff Bagwell's neck. He was a he was a hot heel at the time, and he came back in the he came back, um, or he started his comeback in the Georgia Dome. He's from it. He's from the he's from Georgia, and they immediately had him come out there and sucker uh, Scott Hall into him and I'm sorry, sucker uh, sucker Rick Steiner into him and Scott Hall both beating him with chairs and and playing it off, and he turned right back in after being gone from with a broken neck, a legitimate broken neck. Well, Seth Rollins was the champion for, for almost a whole year, or for most of a year, blows his knee out, comes back, gets a hero's welcome, does his documentary showing that, like, he's paid, he's, you know, he's this great guy, he worked so hard to get back, and he was so modern great documentary. And he's setting, and he's also, you know, he's also running a, a wrestling um, thing that's off time to try to work on the future generation of the business, and he's this great guy. And the very next night after he shows back up and the people go nuts for him because he's actually can be somebody, he's that kind of hot. It's almost similar to the uh, Triple H 2002 comeback off the off the torn um, leg, leg muscle. And what do they do? He comes back and he's like, let's you know, nah, bro, it's still it's still authority over here. And what and they turned him back heel, and then two months later, like two months later, they have to turn him back face again. They had him cut that fuck the fans promo like yeah. right after that 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 documentary came out or the yeah. documentary came out after that. Yeah, that the documentary came right out. After yep, right after yep. it. That was one of the best documentaries I'd ever seen from like a modern wrestler. Like who who and and they screwed it up. Yep. Like and the, and the thing is like they've done they've done damage to all these guys. So you, it's almost like you got to find like you know the best mushed bread, the best slice of mushed up bread. But um. Like I mean, I, I can see them. I can absolutely see the McIntyre thing, but McIntyre's the same has a lot of the same issues that that Roman did in the fact that like this dude looks like a heel. He probably and he works better. He probably gonna work better as a heel. But y'all are gonna try to push him as a babyface. Y'all gonna try to push this round peg through this square hole, and it's just not gonna work. Or it's not gonna work as well as it could if you just decide to use him to facilitate somebody else becoming a star. It's so weird to see like how much they love and revere Ric Flair, 
And Ric Flair's whole entire job was getting other guys over because of the fact that he was made as a heel and he was so great as a heel, he could help facilitate other guys becoming stars, whether it was Luger or it was Sting or it was uh, Ron, Ronnie Garvin or it was T Madam T.A. or whoever else. A long, longer list than what I just named. And what they decided to do is we're going to have the top babyface come out here and fight these other guys. And, and as a babyface, it's like, why can't you do it this other way? This other way helps facilitate the fact that he can still be your top guy as a heel. That's fine. People, you you love to tell people how it's pre is predetermined, it's fake, and it's entertainment anyway. Let him go out there and still do it. No one, no more, he's, unless he's unless he's doing something like like you know Randy Orton like burning down uh, grave sites. He can still do. The, he can still make the make the towns and make the trips, doing the charity and all that kind of stuff as a bad guy. He's just a prick. But, but once he's outside the wrestling arena, he's still a good guy. Look how they do the Miz with his with his reality television show. Miz is a jerk on t on TV. He's a great person, a, 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 a terrific father, terrific husband, terrific family man, loves his family to death on that reality show. They act like they can't do that with the top guy. It's so weird. Like they have all of these examples of stuff that's in front of them it's and his for doing they the same do thing. Like, oh, we can't do that because of this. It's so weird. It's fake. They can do what they want. Exactly. Like, I think I heard you guys talk about it on your podcast recently. What it something about handing out the signs for yeah. uh, we yeah. want the the raw women's tag the yeah. tag team titles. It's like <laughs> you own the company. Just do it. Just do it. Like people, one people want them. Two, you have positioned all these women, a, a lot of the, your women roster, to be in pairs. Whether it's the Iconics, whether it's uh, Tamina and and um, Naya, whether it's uh, oh, what's your name? Oh, the Riot Squad. Whether it's Mandy and and Sonya, what have you? Like you, Sasha and Bailey. You have positioned so many of these women to be tag teams that like we see what you're doing. Just do it already. It's fine. The crowd is going to be there. When was the last time they made some announcement for the what, corporately? Yeah, when was the last time they made some announcement for the women to get something and they got booed? Has that ever happened? No. So what? So why do you need to manipulate them? Need to manipulate this thing? Just have look. Bring everybody out to the front to the front ramp and like have them pay and you know sitting in perfect attention. Have Stephanie bring her ass out there and say. You know, we did X, we did Y, we did Z, we did W, we did U, we did T, we did V, but it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make history again. Yeah. <laughs> bro, I think it was Rance who I was talking to. He was like, bro, when is the, the storylines of the women going to get beyond making history? I mean. they got Look, they've got a long way to catch up. Oh, so, yeah. well, wait, catch up to good storyline telling and catch up what the men are doing because, like, you you know, I mean, those are already, like, already those in some cases. Look, they look, we they have been <laughs> rich made a good point after evolution. And you think about like, what was the last pay per view that made you? And we talked about like, he said for him it was Royal Rumble this year, but he asked me, like, and I and I asked, I, I really didn't have an answer, but I was more asking him, but, but for me, it was. It was um the question was when was the last time you watched a WWE review that made you feel that good at the by the time all the way through and then at the end, and then he had mentioned Royal Rumble. My answer was um I can't remember what my answer was. It was probably like WrestleMania 30 or or or, or whatever else, right? So you think of what that show accomplished, 
and then you think of what we get where the show is mostly mostly men's matches. He's like, and then Rich made a good point after Evolution how how, how much fun he had watching. He's like, fire the men. I'm like, nah, don't fire the men. Book better. Like they're they they booked that show to be such a feel good moment and everyone was have so much fun. And then you think of and it gave people what they wanted. And then you think of what. You know, NXT does. You think of what New Japan does. You think of what Ring of Honor does. And then you think of other companies around the world when they do big shows, how they try to, you know, give the fans that paid what they want to see or or, so, or something that they would enjoy because they know what these they know what their fan base wants and then give it to them. They showed in Evolution that's, that they absolutely know what the fans want. They just pretend that they don't. And then complain, and then act, and then want to act stupid, like, oh, you know, you know, we—that's not the story you were told, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm, it's even earlier than that. I knew WWE was self-aware of a lot of all this stuff, like with the 2017 Royal Rumble when Roman Reigns came out at number 30. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. I, that's when I knew they. Okay, you clearly know what's going on here. You're doing this on purpose. That what was it for me. Was. Like, like, what do you think that was the point they figured out? I feel like it had to be way earlier. No, it was before then. Like, it was. I mean, you can say it was when they formed the authority. You can say, but you can say, like, you can say, you can, you can go back further. The authority, you can go back. I'm sure you can go back even further than that. Like, these people are not dumb. These people, like, you know, how people say, like, either they're stupid or they don't give a fuck, which, and yeah, you know, them not giving a fuck is even worse. Like, it's exactly what it is. They do know better, and they don't give a fuck. And that's and that's so much worse of a of a crime than 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 them not just being obliv oblivious and stuff. Like, granted, we talked about earlier. Like, they thought the CM Punk um, pipe bomb was going to be a hill hill promo, and it did not backfire. But like, you look at some of the stuff they did with, with CM Punk, um, with, like with Triple H thing when they just beat when they had Triple H beat him clean. Like, that was just for heat, cause fuck, cause fuck you fans. You know what I mean? What's his name? Uh, Cocabana said it perfectly on his podcast when those two were still cool. Triple H came out of retirement to beat CM Punk. And went back in retirement. <laughs> yeah. On that, on that full-on Bart Simpson. I now officially retire from video game boxing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up, man, because we're just going to descend into madness. But uh, thank you guys. Oh, hold on, hold on. All right. So we got Simon here. And we don't we don't shout on the product a good amount and talk about legitimate fundamental flaws with the, with the show right now. Um, I'm I'm going to be the funny guy and talk about reasons for optimism. Like you know how they always talk about how they have these uh, uh these presentations on systemic racism and then the person lays out this immaculate uh um, elaborate um concept to explain you systematic racism and then at the end they always ask the, the writer to like to give you or the writer or the presenter. Oh. To give you um, the reasons for optimism or whatever else. Okay, so let's so let's like let's play this game, right? And let's give up reasons for hope and optimism. I mean, because you know we did talk about it. They have so much talent. They can always decide to just pull their head to unfuck themselves and turn it around like that if they wanted to. So, guys, uh, can we get a few minutes on optimism? Sure. What what you got? I mean, we I'm can try. <laughs> Simon's got a stone face. He ain't said shit. <laughs> Simon's like, optimism? Why do you call me on for this show? <laughs> what is this? I think I hear uh, not possible calling me. Uh, I'll be right back. Oh so Dan Coffin in the comments says Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch doesn't make me feel good when I watch, but I'm yeah. like, I'm on eggshells. 
with, with Becky because it can end at any time. I feel like. I, I think there. I think okay. So we talk about it. Okay, so I think, I think that they're going to go with Becky until at least another month, right? Obviously, uh, like they can always pull the. They can always pull the Charlotte cheats Becky. They do a double turn in some way, shape, or form because the crowd, because you know, it's way past due for that. Should have happened at, at SummerSlam, but they decided to, you know, make Becky a heel. They could, in theory, but I mentioned earlier about Charlotte looming. They could have it where she comes out to Becky's surprise. Charlotte screws over Ronda. Becky wins. Charlotte then, go, I don't know, moves on and, and is basically like hand, her and Charlotte, I'm sorry, her and Becky then run the women's division together hand and fist, and she's like helping Becky cheat to win the title, and then that leads to, um, you know, women's WrestleMania, or sorry, women's Survivor, sorry, my God, the women's Royal Rumble match, Charlotte wins, she challenges um, Ronda in some shape or form or fashion, or Something that like they, there's always this possibility that like we can hold this belt onto Becky until there is somebody right for the job to take it yeah. over. Right now it ain't Charlotte because they're, they're, I feel like you know you press this too hard, you're I mean you're going to do even more damage to Charlotte and Charlotte. Regardless of what people want to say about how they feel about her being overpushed, whatever she's fucking awesome. I, I think we're What's still looking at, at uh, Becky versus Charlotte at TLC. Yeah, and TLC match. I mean that storyline you suggested would work if if uh, Charlotte doesn't get the main event with Ronda, because otherwise it's just it's just uh, Becky getting overlooked again in that regard. And and I I just want to say but, I loved how how Becky Lynch has played this feud with Rousey on social media. He's owned her at every turn, and a, a big point of their her contention is you know. She why is you know Rondo being put above her in these things? Why is she in front of her on the posters? Why is she you know all this? She's the A side, and like like I've liked to joke on this thing like Becky's the A side of this feud, and I, I can appreciate that with, with with her her deal. I just hope they don't have her doing chicken shit heel tactics like she's gonna leave the, with the belt, you know, and try to run from Ronda and all this stuff. Like go in there and have them fight straight up. Yeah. It's another time. Bring bring back the Lions then for this match. Yeah, run it. <laughs> What's the last, did they do a Lions Den match since the Attitude Era? No. <laughs> no. Thank God. No reason. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, like, you know, I, I definitely agree with you, but I my take on the uh Becky's line of thought in regards to her beef with or you know her back and forth with uh, Rhonda is more of her last promo that she cut um, that got aired or not aired, but uh, put on YouTube. Um, you know, she's like, you know, she's like, look, you're a champion and you're a champion because you have a belt. You're not a champion because you can, because you have uh, faced adversity and overcame it. And you look at in a weird way, like, right. We, uh, I don't know how much of this is actually them or how much of this is Becky because a lot of this stuff with Becky seems like she is there. It feels like she is one of the, like she is been given bullet points and then let her go out there old school style as compared to everybody comes out there and recites lines and you know that's what we get with promos. But um, their backstage stuff when she said like you know effectively saying like you aren't you never faced real adversity. I'll show you what real adversity. Real adversity is 
you know, not being, you know, raised to be a test tube athlete, like, you know, real adversity and real perseverance and real and really striving to be the best is having people in people that are part of your support structure tell you that you shouldn't be doing this. And then you take your ass out of this out of the country to go wrestle somewhere else. And you are living, you know, you are living on, you know, on your wrestling mat that you're learning how to wrestle on uh, sleeping at night to become become this. And I mean, I think her dismount on that on that promo was like. um, um Being she said that like, you know, because Rhonda said she's a natural born killer, she's like um, being a being made into a killer is way more la is longer lasting than being a natural born killer. And I was like. You know what? Like right now, she just got it. Like, you know, WWE WWE isn't a really a storytelling factory or whatever else. And she obviously she's a heel, so you can only take so much of what she's saying um, from as a, from a narrative structure to, to heart. But like, she is cutting these baby face ass underdog promos that are so kick ass and so awesome. But she's a heel. But I don't give a damn because they're so freaking awesome. I love them. And like right now, she's like she is. She is one of the very few reasons right now where, like, you look at any around the whole entire company and you talk about things are up and things are down. Like, she's one of the very, she's one of the few up things. And when I mean up, I mean, like, she is in a, right now for me, like, she is in a, she might be doing my favorite uh, women's acting pro wrestling that I, that of all time for me right now. Like, I love it. Yeah, she's, um, and I think we hit on this, like, she's in that rare, that, rare moment that we hope we catch wrestlers in yep. <laughs> and like, you can feel like she's just ascending right now like i imagine like when people you know follow you know one of dusty's chases or whatever else like you just feel like you just feel like you just want to you know like it feels like you know anything 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 can happen and they and, and i mean that in a great way like there are no limits to what this art form can do when people are doing it right and right now she's in a special zone yeah this is this is her scoring uh, forty points for nine straight games like Kobe. This is her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Averaging forty for the month of January two thousand six. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Well, with all that being said, does that mean that she? You think that fans are gonna have a fit if she doesn't win? Uh, I mean, people like Ronda, and it's it's L A. and a lot, you know, and Lana gets a lot of love out there. Um, but I I think that belt. I think you'll get a lot of dueling chance. Um, I think more people will be mad, or it could throw the show off kilter if um Ronda wins in dominant fashion. Um, I think that I think for me personally, I think there is no reason that Ron. I feel like if it were me booking this, Ronda's winning. I don't give a fuck, right? Ronda's winning. However, I had them go out there and have a, a have a, a hell of a back and forth match where like. Rhonda is so young to the game that you can have the she's Becky is the is a veteran has been doing this for years and she is not necessarily making Rhonda look dumb but she's outsmarting her in the in the match like you see I mean you see you know anybody has watched a bunch of Ric Flair matches uh, knows what that's like like for example the closest one you can think the one that I can think of most recently that comes to mind is Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns at Fastlane 2015 of she's just Daniel Bryan is just outsmarting Roman because Roman is young and he's a veteran in the game. Like they need to follow a match of that kind of pattern. I, like I'm really excited for this match. I think it should be the main event, honestly. I, absolutely. There's nothing else on that card that holds my interest, especially not that uh, world champion versus world champion match. 
it's gonna be funny. Like, right? We talked. We complained for a lot of people have complained about like AJ never getting the main event, right? And then like this comes along, this perfect time for the main event. Except like he's not the hottest thing right now. The hottest thing right going on right now is Ronda versus is uh, is Ronda versus Becky. Like it ain't even close. Like if this was wrestle, like if this was twenty years ago, and this was WrestleMania time, this would be the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, right, the breaks. You either the hottest feud or you the world champion. And Becky's both. <laughs> You got to pick. You can't ever be the champion of the hottest shit. Well, shit, thank you. Yeah. But I, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, thank you guys for all listening in uh, live in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group. If you're checking this on YouTube, if you are listening to the podcast, I'm going to yank the audio and try to get it up as soon as I can. If not, I'll have it on Monday morning. But um, thank you guys. Uh, Simon, you want to let these folks know where they can find you? Absolutely. Because like I said earlier, the Twitter's blowing up. So let's keep it going. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at SGC Speaks. You can also catch some of my articles on Sports Kita. I wrote up something regarding AJ Styles, WWE Championship brain. A whole lot of interesting facts on that if you want to go read it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good place to leave it for me. James, anything after we roll about it here? None. Becky Lynch is awesome. Becky is the best. Becky number one. This the is man. Great. <laughs> we up out of here. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.